0: Welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa.
1: The uh, text for this morning's message is again from Ephesians 2, continuing in that series. I think it's verses 7 through 9, but I'm going to read uh, just to give you some context, chapter 2, verses 4 through 10 again. But God, being rich in mercy... Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in
0: Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good morning. It's good to see each one here today. Bless you and uh, encourage you our time together. If you have your Bibles, we're in Ephesians chapter 2. We continue looking there this morning. Uh, One of the things that um, I've noticed for many years here in South Africa is that uh, there's a, a lot of people that claim to be believers and if oftentimes if you ask ask them about their salvation give them give a, a testimony of how they were saved or tell me how you came to know the lord or something like that oftentimes you'll hear uh, a testimony that leaves you feeling Uh, like, uh, well, I'm not really sure that you're saved. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because in their testimony, they don't really tell about Christ or what Hmm. He's done. They tell about their experiences and something that happened or where they've been, what they did. And uh, you realize that um, uh, they're they're just a real... uh, problem with their understanding of what you ask or what it means to be, uh, to be a Christian or, or how a person comes to know the Lord is Savior. Well, we're returning to this passage because it's such an important um, passage for us as believers <clears throat> and certainly for those as well who, who do not know the Lord to understand um, what salvation is all about and what the Lord has done. And we've titled uh, this from last Sunday as well, We Are God's Workmanship in Christ. And remember, you are here last week, we, we find that phrase down in, in verse 10, where he says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And He goes on to say, four good works and what God has planned for us. Well, that word, as we learned last time, workmanship is uh, from the word poema, and it was used of arts works and skilled craftsmen's work that uh, produced something that uh, would be considered a masterpiece or, or a uh, skilled work of art. And uh, the Lord has used this word in reference to the creation, His power is displayed, and His glory displayed in creation, but here he uses it in the context of what the Lord does in salvation for us, His poema in us that He has uh, accomplished. And if you're going to be a, a, a student of the Word, it's there's a important habit to develop is to ask questions of the text, uh, questions like the who. What, the when, where, the why, and how—those kinds of questions—to to to help you to draw from the text what is being said, and from the context what uh, the the writer is talking about. And so we want to do that this morning as we as we think about this passage. At least uh, three of these type questions. And last week we we were really looking at the what of. God's work of salvation in verses 4 to 6. And we read there this morning already from verses 4 to 6. But let's look at it again. He says, But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up uh, with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so the, the what? Let's just review that very quickly this morning. We, we saw last time that He makes us alive together with Christ. That's the, the spiritual new birth that the Scripture uh, talks about. This new birth in Christ. As Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, Uh, and told him that he must be born again, or born from above. The spiritual life that God offers is bound up in Jesus Christ, so that if you have Christ, then you have life. You have this eternal life that the the Scripture speaks of. And uh, the opposite is true. If you don't have Christ, you don't have life. It's just that simple. There's no other way... Uh, to God. There's no other way to this eternal life that, uh, that the Scripture reveals. Well, God so works in a person's heart uh, and brings them to a place where they can see their lost condition without Christ. And by the grace of God, they turn to the Lord in faith. The Lord saves them and they are united with Christ, and they are identified with Him in His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. And that's what we see in, this, in these verses, that he, he raises up with Him. We are uh, identified with Him in His resurrection, and He seats us with Him in the heavenly places. We are, we are exalted with Him, raised up with Him. This, this really speaks of our new identity as believers, our new citizenship in heaven. Uh, we're still on the earth, but uh, this world, is or this earth, is not our home. Our home is in heaven. Uh, as Colossians 1 verse 13 says, He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. And so this is an incredible thing that God does. We as believers, which we've been saved for many years, we, we, we can easily take that for granted what God has done for us. This incredible work that not only He forgives us of our our sins, but He identifies us with His Son in such a way that we are raised up with Him and we're exalted with Him in glory. Well, not only do we see in this this context the what, but also the why. The why of God's work of salvation. When uh, we think about God's work of salvation, we tend to think about it from our perspective or our viewpoint. What God has done for us. What does it mean for us? And that is important. Uh, God does do so much for us in salvation, doesn't he? Uh, And it's good for us to know and to, to understand the abundance of God's blessing in our salvation. If you remember back in the end of chapter 1, the prayer that Paul prays that we, by the enablement of the Holy Spirit, might be able to comprehend the hope of His calling and, and the riches of His inheritance and the, and the greatness of His power toward us who believe. Uh, th- these are things that God wants us to know and understand, the things that, uh, that he, he does for us. But, uh, and we saw in chapter 1, Earlier that in, in that section, that long sentence, that, he, that Paul just piled one thing on top of another that God does for us in salvation. Uh, but in this context, Paul is also helping us to think uh, about our salvation from God's viewpoint. Uh, and when we look at things from God's perspective, we begin to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. If I or someone asks you, why did God save you? What would you say? Well, some might say, I don't know why God saved me, but I'm sure glad He did. Uh, Somebody else might say, well, it it was all because of God's grace. And that would certainly be true, wouldn't it? Hopefully there's no one here that thinks that they're saved because they were better than someone else. Or they did something that earned God's favor. Uh, No, it's all of God's grace. But why such an abundance of God's grace? Uh, Superabundance, we could say. The, the context in verse seven uh, speaks of um, immeasurable, or it translates the word immeasurable riches of His grace. Uh, when when someone does something that uh, is just kind of you know really goes beyond what we expect. Uh, We could say they outdid themselves, if we want to be positive. Sometimes we can say that in a negative way and say, well, they just went overboard. They just went too far or went way above what's normal. Well, this word is getting at that idea that it is is so far beyond that the translators here use the word immeasurable. It's it's something that is superabundant, God's grace. So why such an abundance of grace? Not only has He forgiven us our sins, so we've been exalted to the to the position of sons of God. He's made us co-heirs with Christ. He's put the righteousness of Christ to our account so that when we stand before God, we are standing there in His righteousness. He's given us the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in us, to be with us, to, to guide us and lead us and teach us and, and and empower us to serve Him. And He's prepared a place for us that we might Dwell with Him for eternity. And, uh, and I'm sure if we, we could add more to that list of all the things that God has done, is doing, and will do for us. And so I say again, why such an abundance of grace? Well, Paul gives, gives us the answer here in verse 7. And he shows us the big picture of the why of God's work of salvation. Notice in verse 7, he begins with, so that. And that tells us this is a, a why statement. You could say it's a purpose statement. But so that. And he's referring, he's referring back to what he had just said in verses 4 to 6 about God's, God's, what God has done for us in salvation. And then he says, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us, in Christ Jesus. Now certainly God does a lot for us in salvation, but there is the big picture of why we are saved. It's to the glory of God. It's so that His work of salvation in us will be exhibit A for all eternity for His immeasurable riches of His grace. Sharon's got a um, glass cake stand. And um, you know you put the cake on it. It's got this big glass dome that goes over top of it, and it kind of sits up fairly high. You know, you, so so when you bake a cake, you can put it on display. You can see it, although it may not be on display for very long. But at least for a, for a little while, especially if it's a chocolate cake, it won't be around very long. But it's it's displayed and. It, and if you've done the extra work to decorate it and make it pretty, then you know people look at it and say, wow, that's so pretty. It's, it's a display. And some of you men may have played sports back a long time ago. <laughs> and maybe you've won some recognition, maybe a trophy or something like that. I remember playing in high school, uh, American football. I was too, too small to really go beyond high school, but in, but in high school, I was able to play, and uh, at the end of our uh, the senior year, we had this award uh, sports award uh, banquet kind of thing, and and I won these two big trophies. kind of kind of su- surprising. Uh, they one from uh, the local paper, and another one from other some other sports uh, uh, body, and so I won these trophies for a run, being a running back, and and so I took these trophies, you know. These Two three-story-high trophies. I was really impressed with myself, and uh, I take those and put those on display on the in my bedroom on the on the cabinet uh, on the shelf. And, uh, and somebody come by the house, you know, one of my friends, like you know, show them those trophies, and they go, "Wow, look at that!" And I say, "Yeah, that that one right there, the 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 Journal of Patriot, the, the paper. They gave me that one." And and the guy said, "You know, when we were playing against uh, Northeast." Uh, they just couldn't stop him, you know, and they could just brag about about that, glory in that, what uh, what what it accomplished, and you know, it, <clears throat> We as the redeemed of God are trophies of God's grace. We, we are we're going to be on display for eternity, for all the heavenly host to brag on God. Look what He did. Look what He's accomplished. Look at His amazing grace. And we ourselves, as the redeemed, will rejoice in what God has done. The chapter one that we studied for some time also emphasizes this praise to God for his gracious work of salvation. We see the repetition of that phrase in verse 6, 12, and verse 14 to the praise of his glory and grace, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. glory." And that will be a theme in eternity. The praise of God. The ESV study Bible note says, verse 7 answers the question of why God lavished such love upon His people, so that they will marvel for all eternity over the incredible kindness and love. It will take all of eternity to fathom God's love, and those who are saved will never plumb the depths of it. Well, in verse 7, God also speaks here of His kindness. His grace is further described as being in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Well, God obviously continues to show us grace and His kindness every day. But, but here He's referring back to the work of God in our salvation. It's His grace uh, and kindness shown to us through Christ as we think about this word kindness it's easy to in this passage just to go right past it and not not give it much thought but in um, the thought is similar to grace it's it's an outflowing of god's grace the kindness of god paul in writing in romans 2 he says that the kindness of god and the offer of salvation is meant to lead a person to repentance and he's talking to jewish um, believers are not Jewish believers, but Jewish religious leaders that uh, were resisting Christ and what he was what he was teaching, and they were judgmental of the uh, of, of the others, the other Gentiles who who were in their minds sinners. And he, and he says in Romans two, in beginning of verse three, "Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet?" Do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you pursue uh, pursue on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves on the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed." Well, the kindness of God is one of the ways in which God draws us into himself, Is grace that he gives us. And when a person resists God's working in their hearts, when, God, when a person resists the, the drawing of God, the, the conviction of God in his word, they're hardening their hearts to God. They're hardening their hearts to God's word. And so we have the warning there in Romans 2. Well, we, we've we seen the what in this passage, the why. Let's look also at the how. In verse, verses 8 and 9, we see the how of God's work of salvation. And we know that from chapter 1 that our salvation has been planned by the Father. We're chosen in Christ, he says, from before the foundation of the world in verse 4. Uh, we also... Saw the, the plan of our salvation was provided for us through the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place that we might be forgiven. But how does this salvation come to us? How do we receive it? Verse 89 lays that out for us and shows us how. Notice in verse um, 89, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Very, very simply said uh, and very clear about how this wonderful work of God, salvation, comes to us. Paul repeats the statement from verse 5 where he said, By grace you have been saved. And then he adds, Through faith. Uh, faith is the means by which salvation is received. We could, say, we could say the basis of God's work of salvation is grace. And the means of receiving it is by faith. And so we have this statement, salvation is by grace through faith. Very simple, yet very important. And the wording of that is very important. Salvation is by grace through faith. It's eight uh, chanada, geloof. haluf. And although it's it's simple, it is somehow confused. <laughs> although it's simple, yet people still are trying to earn or do something to contribute to their own salvation. You know, this, it's, With the power outages we're having, often here when the power goes out, generators coming on in our neighborhood. And we hear generator running, and uh, in a simple way, um, it's, you can think of it in this way, the generator the generator is running, it, it doesn't supply electricity unless there is a some type of wiring to bring it to your house. And so, in that way, the electricity is uh, by the generator through the wiring. The, the wiring doesn't supply it, it doesn't accomplish it. The wiring can't create salvation, but it's a conduit through which the electricity comes uh, to the house. And so salvation is by grace through faith. And that should be enough said. But God knows the heart of man and uh, He knew that many would have a problem and a struggle with this truth. That such a great salvation Be a free gift, provided by the grace of God and received by the empty hand of faith. Um, The pride of man wants to earn what he receives. You know, in most areas, that's not necessarily a bad thing. We 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 want to. We are taught to to earn a living, right? We're we're taught to be responsible. We're we're taught we're taught to, to to not just to be lazy and take handouts and not try to uh, to work. But the Scriptures also teaches us humility, doesn't it? And oftentimes God puts us in a place where we're forced to swallow our pride. And when it comes to salvation, God is not going to allow us to have any pride. He's not going to allow us to have any part that we could uh, brag about and say that I did this or I had that. Salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. And God gets all the credit, he gets all the glory. No one will ever get to heaven and say, "Well, you know, I had a lot of things working against me, but I persevered in faith. Or I did this, or I did that." When we reflect on how we got to heaven, we talk about that there's there's not going to be the personal pronouns in it. <laughs> Unless we're telling about how undeserving we are or how Unbelievable, it was that God chose us. It's all—it's going to be all about God. Our testimony is going to be all about what God did and how He did it and when He did it and, and how He accomplished it in our lives. It's all going to be about Him. He gets all the glory. Anything else is an insult to His gracious provision. Look again how He says it. Verse 89, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul emphasizes the point that God's salvation does not come to us by our own doing. Notice he gives the parallel truth in verse 9 and says, not a result of our works. It's another way of, of emphasizing the same truth. It's not our doing, it's not by works, but by the grace of God. God plans salvation and how we receive it in such a way that He gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. We contributed nothing that we could boast about. As we saw in verse 7, we are a demonstration of the immeasurable riches of His grace for all eternity even the faith that we exercise is a is a result of god's grace in our lives the holy spirit of god works in our lives uh, through various circumstances through the word of god directly to bring us to repentance and faith uh, remember these words the definitions the repentance is a you can say is a change of mind that leads or results to turning it's a turning from ourselves from a dependence of ourselves to god to a dependence upon him it's it's a change of mind about our thinking about our ability our thinking that we could d- do something to please god the thinking that uh, that we're deserving to thinking about what god has done agreeing with god about what Christ has done that that's repentance it's a change of mind that leads to a turning also the word faith is believing or trusting in what God has said and in the matter of our saving faith this you could say the trust is trusting of what God has declared about Jesus Christ and his provision for our salvation and so you can see how these two work together Uh, repentance and faith and many times we will we'll say it together like that just to be clear because you can't have saving faith without repentance and, and no genuine repentance without faith because we're the trusting in God implies action i like using trusting although believing also communicates that but trusting implies you're going somewhere with your with your with your belief Many times we, th- we hear the word belief, and we think just believing the facts, but it's more than that. It's it's trusting a person. It's trusting Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished. And the repentance is 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 agreeing with God in what He said, so that there is this change in our thinking. And and this genuine repentance always leads to action. It leads to a are putting our faith and trust in Christ. And so repentance and faith, they're often referred to as two, two sides of the same coin. When you're reading in the Scripture, sometimes it'll, it'll only mention believing or faith. and Sometimes it'll, it'll just talk about repentance. But they're always bound up together in salvation. Repentance and faith. The Scripture reveals that it is God who works in the heart of man to bring about repentance and faith, in Acts eight, I'm oh sorry, Acts eleven, when Peter uh, is explaining himself to the Jewish uh, people back in Jerusalem, you remember he he went the Lord's direction, coercion, you could almost say the Lord almost had to drag him there, to Cornelius, Gentile, um, and in the in the people that were. Uh, in his household and, and servants and all the people around him there, the, the other Gentiles had put their faith in Christ and and um, and Peter had baptized them. So now the Jews want to know, what have you done? <laughs> Why did you do that? In verse uh, 18 says, When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance of, that leads to life. We could also look at 2 Timothy and see the same, same truth. Timothy is teaching, or Paul is teaching Timothy about how to, how to deal with people that are in opposition to the truth. He says, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, and, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponent, opponent's with gentleness god may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will so you can clearly see in those just those two passages that this repentance repentance and faith is something that comes from god it comes from god's working in a in the heart of man, to bring them to that point where they're able to, to see their sin, to see themselves, to see God, to see the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's accomplished. It is a, a work of God. John 6 and verse 4, that long passage, a discourse of, um, of the Lord Jesus about Him being the bread of life and some of the Jews re- rejecting what He was saying. And he says in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So repentance and faith then is man's response to God, his offer of salvation. But this response is not something that we can boast about. We, we can't think, well, I had faith and they didn't. Like we were somehow better or did more. This this work is also by the grace of God. This uh, work of God to produce in us, to bring us to repentance and faith, is by His grace. Thus we see in our text that Paul makes the point that our salvation is the gift of God. It's not something that can be earned or the the result of effort. It is His gift. And that's his point in the passage in this verses 8 and 9. It's by God's grace. It's His gift to us. It's not not something that that we're able to merit. It's not something that we're able to work towards. As you realize the various other religious beliefs around the world, and uh, even some who claim the name of Christ will add to faith work, to faith merit, to faith endeavoring in order to be saved. And God will have none of that. He says it's by faith alone, by grace alone, and the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also want to remember that although this great work of God and salvation is free to us, it came at a great price, didn't it? A great cost, the Lord Jesus Christ. A great cost to provide it. And we want to remember that cost this morning there a song we're going to uh, have the opportunity to remember with the communion we'll remember the Lord Jesus Christ and the cost that was paid for this great work of salvation God's workmanship in Christ that is accomplished in us by what he does in us for us so that we can give him all the honor and all the glory
2: Our hope in life and death What truth can call the troubled soul God is good, God is good Where is his grace and goodness known In our great Redeemer's blood Who holds our faith when fears arise Stands above the stormy trials, who sends the waves to bring us nigh unto the shore, the rock of Christ. Oh, sing. unto the grave what will we see Christ he lives Christ he lives and what reward will heaven bring everlasting life with him where we will rise to meet the Lord then sin and death and we will feast in endless joy when Christ is ours forevermore. Oh, sing!